I was a scout, and it was uh, a great experience for me. I was able to be a part of Troop 3, and uh, my scoutmaster, Oscar Gerald, was his name, and, and we would frequent this place called the Red River Gorge. It was awesome. And one particular morning, we woke up to snow, kind of like what we had recently, and we started going to the switchbacks, the trail. It wasn't straight up. It was kind of at an angle. For erosion purposes, it would liken to a Z. And so you would ascend this mountain by way of this trail, these switchbacks, and it was covered with snow. And being in mid-high age, uh, being a mid-high guy, I, I was shoving the guy in front of me just kind of playing around. And you know, when you have a backpack on your back, it's awkward weight. And so I was shoving him, and he turned around and shoved me back. And this was on snow. And there was an incline on the other side. And so we were staying on the trail, and I'd shove him, and he'd shove me. And finally, the scoutmaster said, look, you guys got to quit shoving each other. Somebody's going to fall. And right as he turned his back, I pushed. And when I pushed, the guy in front of me, Ignoring his advice, I slipped off the trail and started sliding down the incline. And I held on to a root from an old dead tree, and I could see them all peering down at me. And, and one of them reached out, and another one reached out. And finally, the scoutmaster, when I got close... He used his weight, and he grabbed the straps from the backpack and just jerked me back up. And let me just say, there was no more pushing and shoving. <laughs> and I remember he headed back out, and he said, boys, watch yourselves. Watch your step. Let's pray together. God, we thank you for this place. We thank you that it's no mistake that we're here. And you have created in us a hunger, a desire to be together. Because we know that we, we do the climb the best. We climb the best when we climb with others. And so speak to us. It's in the name of Christ that we pray. Amen. My kids were sitting in the, uh, in the family room not too long ago, and um, two of them are at home. One's uh, finished college. And, and we were talking, and I said, hey, gang, you know, I, I feel like I, I need to issue an apology, and they don't hear that very often from me. Uh, and so they, they kind of tuned in, and and I said, you know, I, I, I want to share with you an apology. And they said, what for? And I said, without being too heavy, just the role that my generation has played in creating a world for you that we're handing off to you that can be pretty messy. I mean, I know that every generation has probably said the world is a little more dangerous than it used to be. And I know that our generations 
have been struggling with the war on terrorism and supposedly global warming and the AIDS epidemic and, and an unstable economy. But you know, that doesn't really concern me all that much, those things, as much as the concern I have for my children and their children as, as they face the challenges of what it means to be a follower of Christ in this world. And one of the things I said to my kids is, we've not made it easy on you. And so if we could, I'd like for us today to use as a metaphor the climb, likened to climbing a mountain. In fact, let's use that metaphor, and I want you to envision maybe your life, your Christian life, and it's a climb, and you're ascending a mountain. And that's really a metaphor that's used all through Scripture. In fact, uh, heaven is referred to uh, as the summit on top of the mountain a lot of times in Scripture. Um, Also, uh, the people of God in the Old Testament used to refer to Mount Zion as that high and holy place. And so I want you to envision yourself scaling the mountain. And And the truth is that this climb of the Christian life is very difficult. And as someone who has climbed it for quite a while, as as someone who has been on the trail, I need to say to you that there have been those moments where I have slipped and I have fallen. There have been those moments where I've had the the hiker meditation where where you get to a, a hiker's high and, and, and endorphins go off because good things were able to be achieved. But but it's it's a steep climb. And, th- and there have been times where some of us in this place have maybe slipped and fallen on the trail, on the switchback, trying to get up high. In fact, some of you have maybe had to start over, and you feel like you're at the bottom now. A- and there's been several times you've started over, you've said, well, it's the no mores, not another drink, no more losing my temper. No more soft porn or hard pornography. No more gossip. Those moments where we have lost our footing and, and, and we, we begin to descend down a slope that is dangerous. And so you may feel that you've fallen, and I want to say you're in good company. And so today what we're doing is we're looking at a postcard, an epistle, a short epistle, called Jude. And interestingly enough, it's about one page in entirety. And this postcard is spoken from the very heart of Jude. Now, you need to know that Jude was the half-brother of Jesus. Jude was the half-brother of Jesus, and so was James. I mean, that had to be a heavy burden to be a brother of Jesus. I mean, think about that a minute. (laughs) You know, I mean, he turned water into wine. Why can't you set the table? You know, that kind of thing. And, and, and so, you know, he, he has a sense probably, and we know early on, that Jude struggled with Jesus. He thought he was one weird brother, that he was kind of out there. He was on the fringe. And then there came a crucible moment, a time where he could not 
deny the evidence that his brother was more importantly the son of God. And when he writes this epistle, he opens it up, and if he had been me, I probably would have done a little name dropping. You know, I'm Tim, the brother of Jesus. But he says, I'm Jude, the servant of Christ. And so he he begins with a spirit of humility. And I think that humility is important because of what he has to say. He speaks what the Bible says is the truth and love. He's having one of those difficult conversations. He's speaking to a group of Christians who are barely hanging on. And he's concerned about this group of believers, and they're wandering down the wrong path, and they're not picking the right path, and he's saying, don't give up on following Jesus. These things I say to you are important. And you know, the very things he says in this letter, I guess I want to convey to my own kids and to us as a church. And if you have your message notes, I encourage you to follow along. We're going to look at some things regarding the climb, this steep incline called the Christian life. And look at verse 4 of this book, this postcard. He says this, For certain individuals whose condemnation was written about long ago have secretly slipped in among you, and they're ungodly people who pervert the gospel, who pervert the grace of our God into a license for immorality and deny Jesus Christ, our only sovereign and Lord. In other words, what he's saying is there have been some that have been bad influences that have slipped in among you, and they're claiming to be Christian. And yet, they're not living lives that reflect that. In fact, they're justifying their behavior, their wrong behavior. They've claimed this free pass as a license to sin. They're saying, I'm a Christian, and I can do anything I want. I have a license to do wrong if I want to, because Jesus has forgiven me. And because I've accepted Christ into my life, I don't need to worry about anything moving forward. I don't need to worry about my behavior. I don't need to be concerned with my language. It's kind of like the police officer a while back that was just, he was flying past me. You've seen this. And and there were no lights on and no siren. And I'm just so glad that I didn't veer off into his lane. I mean, he was blowing by me. And I ended up meeting Delia at the Waffle House, and there he was. And it was no emergency. And, man, I was was like, that is not right, okay? Now, I'm all for law enforcement. Don't get me wrong. But, you know, I just thought to myself, that's not right. And so a friend of mine who's a state trooper, I asked him, I said, Tommy, what is the deal? I, I mean, sometimes... Yeah, I'll have one of you guys just fly by me, and it appears that there's no emergency. And I told him the situation about Waffle House, and he said, Well, Tim, 
You know why we're able to drive as fast as we are for non-emergencies? I said, why? Because we can. <laughs> Got it, Tommy. Thanks, buddy. Uh, and, and that's what was going on with these believers who were infiltrating the church. And, and they were saying, look, we can do anything we want because we... We have grace, and because we can. And Jude says, I stand as one who contends for the faith. For there is truth, and there are absolutes, and there is right and wrong. And so, as a church, we need to contend for the truth, he was saying, Verse compromise the truth. You know, it's interesting that uh, this is an applicable postcard for us in our culture. And he's saying, be careful and watchful of those who may adversely influence you. It's interesting how he's saying these godless men have been bad examples and, and you've fallen into, you've been trapped by this wrong doctrine and theology. And so he, he gives them a warning. Look with me. Slippery slopes. Uh, and one is a fading faith. In verse 5, though you already know all this, I want to remind you that the Lord at one time delivered his people out of Egypt, but later destroyed those who did not believe. Now, that was a small number. But, but the point was, what he's saying is this. He's re referring back to the Old Testament reality that the grace of God, the blessing of God, through a covenant had been established with the people of God. And they embraced the blessing, but they failed to have real faith, life-changing faith, transforming faith in God. And while they believed, they didn't necessarily have the confidence in God. And he's saying, be careful. Make sure that you're an influencer and that you're not being overly influenced. Maybe that's part of the story for you. You've dealt with a professor who has questioned the existence of of God, and they seem so knowledgeable. And you've wondered, is my faith real? Or maybe you're dating someone, or, or um, you're going out with someone, and every time you mention that God is a part of your life, they roll their eyes. Maybe it's time to date somebody else. Or, or maybe you've got a coworker uh, that makes fun of the fact that you are involved in the life of the church and that, that your faith is real for you. Are, are you one that, that is changed by your environment or are you one that changes your environment? And, and so that's what Jude is saying. He's saying don't fall from the faith. Don't let your faith fade, but contend for the faith. Fight for the faith. If nothing else, that faith in you. And then he goes on to say in verse 7, look with me. Woe to them. They have taken the way of Cain. He's intense here. They have rushed for 
prophet in Balaam's era, they have been destroyed in Korah's rebellion. Now, who is Korah? When I read that, I thought, that sounds like my great aunt. (laughs) Who is Korah? Well, Korah was one that during the days of Moses and Aaron, he caused an uprising. He questioned the wisdom of the leadership. He questioned whether or not God had really moved the people out of Egypt. He wanted people to go back to Egypt where it was safe and comfortable. And so there was an uprising. And Judah's referring back to that and saying it's likened to these godless people who've come in and they want us to turn back the clock and they're not settling for the truth. They want to do what they want to do. And they're influencing you. And they're not accountable to anybody. You see, that's why the church is so important to me because I want to be around those that are becoming more like Jesus. I need to be around those who are becoming more like Christ. And just by the very fact that you participate, and the more you participate, not only in the worship experience, but in a small group setting, in a spiritual formation experience, uh, when you do that, you become accountable in a healthy way, in a good way, where the climb gets a little easier. Good climbers know that to really be effective, you got to do it with others. you got to climb with others that are climbing. And so it's not just about being a part. It's not just about saying I'm a, I'm a member of a church. It's about being a part of a church family where there can be people that encourage you and challenge you and laugh with you and cry with you. You see, we're not about church membership here at Martha Bowman. We're about people becoming followers of Jesus who just so happen to say that this is their family of faith. And so the Christian life cannot be lived out as an island. Trail Magazine, a well-known magazine for hikers and repellers, uh, did an article, and as part of the article, they talked about how one could ascend a 44 hundred foot summit in England and in that they gave all of the directions in the magazine on how to ascend and how to come back down supposedly safely. Now the good news is that they were well inspired. The bad news is they were not informed and the actual map and directions were wrong. And as they posted this, uh, there was one part where if you walked out, you would step off of a 1,000-foot th- drop into the Gardy Lou Valley. And, and they, cha- they were challenged by these hikers, and they said, look, this is wrong. And they said, well, it was an editorial mistake. <laughs> Well, first of all, anybody that's descending a mountain with a magazine, I've got some concerns for them. But, but the other thing is, you know, it's key, it's key to have the right direction to stay on the trail. 
to ascend with others. And, and so Jude helps us. He shifts gears in verse 20. And he says, now, I want to caution you and I want to warn you about those who may be influencing you negatively. Don't become like them. Don't be deceived by them. And in fact, I want to give you some things that you can hold on to, some faith footholds. And, and one is firmly plant your feet. Firmly plant your feet on the path. But you, dear brothers, by building yourself up in your most holy faith and praying in the Holy Spirit, keep yourself in God's love as you wait for the mercy of our Lord Jesus to bring you to eternal life. Get that. Build yourself up in your most holy faith. Your spiritual life begins when you give your life to Christ. But it's over a continuum. Paul says that you might grow in the knowledge of faith. It's likened to that, that motif and imagery of a tree being firmly planted, being deeply rooted. And Jude is saying, build yourself up and do the things that will, will build you up. Spend time in personal prayer. Get into God's word. Be a part of a group that is trying to grow closer to Jesus. Because we're all going to slip and fall. We're all going to find that that incline is steep. But when we are doing those things to build up our faith, building yourselves up, something happens. Sir Edmund Hillary was the first one who scaled and reached the summit at Mount Everest. And time and time again, he failed, and he would take people with him, which was smart. And as he would go, he would look, and, and he would shake his fist at that mountain, and he would say, you're staying the same. You're as big as you're going to get but I'm still growing. And sure enough, he reached the top. And I think that's what is being said by Jude. He's saying, look, that mountain is before us, but if we will put ourselves in a position to grow, we'll reach the summit. And so Jude gives us these foot, um, footholds that can secure us and some of you today may be feeling like, uh, you know, uh, Tim, you don't realize my, my life, I have slipped so much. I have, I have fallen. And the wonderful thing is we can trust the guide. We don't do it alone because we have each other. He says to pray in the Holy Spirit, to ask God's Spirit to abide with us. And then he goes on to say, to him who is able. Look at this. This is the doxology. This is good stuff as we trust in the guide. And maybe you've heard this. Doxology means to honor the Lord with thanksgiving. To him, to God who is able to keep you from stumbling and to present you before the glorious presence without fault and with great joy. Let's read that together. 
to him who is able to keep you from stumbling and to present you before the glorious presence without fault and with great joy. Isn't that awesome? That we have a God that as we make the climb, as we grow in our spiritual faith, as we grow in who we are in Christian character, we're not alone We have others that are climbing with us. We know we're going to slip, and so we need solid footing. But we have the Holy Spirit to move us up to the next level. Repelling fascinates me. You have the repeller, the one who is working their way up the side of of a, a huge hill or, or a mountain. And then you have the belayer. Now, all the safety measures need to be in place, the helmet and the harnesses and the extra rope. And one of the things they do is, is the belayer and the repeller. They'll throw the rope up to the high point. They'll throw a security rope up there as well. And the belayer is key for the repeller to be able to either go up or down. One of the things that the belayer does is he lets out the slack or takes up the slack. You know, I think about how God's grace is that way. He's extremely merciful. And he picks up the slack in my life. When, when those that are trying to adversely influence me, he sends good people into my life. When I've fallen and I ask for forgiveness, he forgives me. He, he picks up the slack. He sees where I am inadequate and he steps in. But the belayer does something else, which is huge. It counterbalances, and when that repeller begins to fall or lose grip or footing, he pulls back on his weight. He becomes the security until that repeller can grasp on again and get a strong foothold. Let's put that scripture up again, the doxology. Do you see yourself... As we repel, as we scale that mountain towards the summit to him who is able to keep you from stumbling. Through his grace, that rope of grace, we wrap around ourselves and we lean into that counterweight of Christ as we take the next step. Maybe for you today, uh, this ascent has been so hard. It's been difficult. And even with God's grace and mercy and even with some folks that have encouraged you, you feel as though you've slipped, you've fallen, you've gone to the the bottom of the hill, you see the mountain and you're overwhelmed. And I want to say to you, God is climbing with you. We are climbing with you. No matter what you've done, no matter where you've been, And so today, you may want to take that first step to following after Jesus. I want to ask Ashley to come along with the praise team. I want us to pray together. Let's pray. 
Lord Jesus, we thank you. We thank you for those moments when we blew it. When we were influenced by others, we were duped into wrong decisions. And we fell off the path. And yet you sent people into our lives to pull us back up. To set our course straight again. And God, we thank you that you are that counterweight that helps to secure us. That assurance that we will not tumble to the flatland. But you will continue to guide us. And so speak to us now as we seek to continue the climb for your glory. 